0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Buzunas. On this edition, as we end the summer with a surge of real estate sales, September historically is also touted as a banner month, so we'll check in with John Carlson of 2% Realty for his take on the market. We've also seen a huge increase in home renovation, so we thought we'd check in with a company that sells products designed to take the wear and tear of everyday living at a phenomenally low price. But first, a few headlines from the week. As if we haven't enough to contend with, pandemic, super mauves, smoky skies, we're headed towards flu season, and getting your flu shot this year is going to be a lot different. First of all, the demand for the flu shot is expected to be higher than normal, and most pharmacies will require an appointment rather than a walk-in. Strongly suggest you get the shot this year. If you do get the flu, it will compromise your immune system, make you more vulnerable to COVID. So best check with your pharmacy. Most will be getting their vaccine next month. Latest research from an international group of scientists may have pinpointed COVID's origin. The lineage, as in tracking backward, strongly suggests COVID evolved from bat viruses 70 years ago. According to a study by the Centers for Disease Control in the U.S., people who tested positive for COVID were twice as likely to have dined at a restaurant, and that includes a patio in the two weeks prior to the onset of their illness. Dr. Henry rolled out a new made-in-B.C. COVID test for kids K to grade 12. Instead of the uncomfortable Schwab up the schnoz, kids will be able to gargle with sterile water and spit it into a tube to be tested for COVID. New York is the latest city to allow restaurants to bill customers for an extra COVID recovery charge, up to 10%. In other cities that tried this, customers were so furious, the restaurants pulled back. How about Ian Golba? An 11-year-old in grade 5 says his favorite restaurant serves the best ever chicken wings. That's why he and his dad are regular customers. But when Ian showed up at school wearing a mask with the restaurant's logo... He was immediately escorted to the principal's office, where he was told his mask did not jive with the school's dress code. The offending mask in question was emblazoned with the Hooters logo. And always a pleasure to uh, welcome back John Carlson, old friend of the show, John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com. John, for the first time in my life, I'm going to admit you were right. Uh, the last time you were on the show, you predicted that September was going to be a pretty good month in terms of sales. And sure enough, uh, you know, we're a little past the midway mark and September sales are looking at breaking some records already.
1: Yeah. You know, thanks for, for admitting that for the first time in your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but, um, you know, we kind of figured that, um September was going to be a good strong month because we missed out really on the on the spring market this year with the COVID situation. And, you know, the demand uh, to buy and sell that was kind of frustrated at that time started to reveal itself as uh, the summer progressed. And typically, the fall market after the spring market is kind of another startup where people are done with the summer and they're getting serious again about buying or selling. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I read an, uh, an article that just came out a day or two ago that said that uh, the September market is on pace to be the strongest uh, September market since 2015 in the re- Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, and uh, I see that that trend continuing. So um, yeah, it is it is a good market uh, for anyone who's been putting buying or selling on the sidelines. Um, it might be a good time to to take a look at this market and, and perhaps jump in.
0: Well, in addition to the ultra low mortgage rates uh, that we can avail ourselves of, uh, I think that it may be that we're moving out of the fear factor that kept people on the sidelines. we We know what we're dealing with now with the pandemic, the real estate industry and folks like yourself. Uh, have done just a great job in keeping that industry moving forward uh, with certain pandemic protocols. But I think it's a psychological thing that we've moved past this fear factor. We're now ready to open our minds to buying or selling, and we're ready to open our wallets.
1: I think, you know, you hit it right on the head there in terms of, uh, you know, the psychological aspect and and fear back when this pandemic was just kind of hitting the market we we talked about you know the fact that i had figured that the return to the market would would happen it would be a tiered return everybody's not just going to run in at once those people that are the most comfortable with operating in this environment would kind of maybe enter the market and and just anecdotally i think of myself even back in in march and april when i had clients and i was showing houses i was I wouldn't use the word fear but uh, it was high on my mind at all times you know to to just be extremely cautious and there was a little bit of worry but as time goes on I think a lot of the listeners can probably relate I mean we've we've adjusted to some degree we we want to be smart we need to have smart business practices in terms of keeping people safe and social distancing and 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 all that stuff but you know people get back to their lives to some degree. And and within that framework of safe business practices, I find more and more people are getting more comfortable with the idea of entering someone else's home for the purpose of looking at it and potentially buying it, or conversely, to have strangers come into their home uh, to take a look. So, yeah, the fear to me, you know, anecdotally on my own personal level, the the fear that maybe was once there has been kind of replaced with a just a caution, and uh, but an optimism that life does go on, and I do find that you know that's probably the big reason that and all the pent up demand from from the spring that September is shaping up quite strong, and and my thought is. September, October, and November are going to be very, very good months to, you know, to potentially put your home on the market and make that move to Vancouver Island or upsize, downsize, or whatever it is you want to do. Uh, the market is there for you, and that's, you know, that's comforting.
0: Well, if you are considering fleeing the urban environment for places like, as John mentioned, Sunshine Coast, Bowen Island, both saw extremely, uh, extremely high numbers in terms of sales. People are fleeing for you know, a more secluded environment to uh, people working from home now. They don't have to undergo a long commute. And so that, uh, that allows them to move outward. And I think those uh, thoughts are backed up by the figures. The Fraser Valley, Chilliwack, uh, for example, sales up 63%. Fraser Valley up, in general, 57%. Those are the latest numbers I've seen. John Carlson of 2% Realty joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer. I'm Manny Bazunas, johnnysmartpoint.com johnnysmartpoint.com john's direct number 604-612-0080 612-0080 if i was to list my home uh, with you john and i wanted to give you sort of a picture of what it was all about i can virtually send you a little clip of uh, what my house looks like can you give me an evaluation based on just that
1: you know i can um uh, and I And I do, and that 's become a bit more of a trend where people have said to me, "Hey, you know John, um, you know i you worked with my brother or i 've been referred by a friend, or maybe I heard you on the Vancouver Consumer Program, and we 're looking at selling we 're not exactly sure that we 're ready to jump into this market yet, but if I were to give you my address and give you some details, would you be able to give me an evaluation and you know, I'm always as as helpful as I can be. I let people know that, you know, perhaps at that time we don't have any agency relationship, so all I'm doing is giving you some general advice and maybe having not seen the home uh or the property, I might not know about certain uh you know, factors that I would notice if I were in person. But I do. I, I'll I'll often, you know, give people an evaluation with the little asterisk there that hey, I haven't seen the property, but based on what I see in your segment uh, based on what I know about, because certain segments are really hot and some of them maybe are not as hot. Um, and given the amount of inventory that it, there seems to be in terms of competition for a particular style of listing compared to how quickly the, you know, that inventory is getting, getting bought up by the market, I'm able to do that kind of thing, and, and, I, and I do that all the time. But really, I put the caveat in there that if you really want, you know, uh, you know, a number that I'm prepared to hang my hat on, then when you're comfortable, let me know and I'll come out to your home and, you know, I'll have a mask and we'll social distance and you can show me the property. And uh, I really prefer to see it before I I give a solid number, but I can give people indications um, over the phone or even by email. Sure.
0: Well, John, you know the name of this show is a Vancouver Consumer and not Vancouver Complaint Line, but I do have one minor complaint. I'm on a lot of real estate websites, and one of my complaints about some of those sites, not all but some, is that the pictures don't tell the story. I have seen properties online. I have visited those properties up close and personal, and they are nothing like what the picture Suggests, and I'm going. Why did I waste my time? The pictures didn't tell any of this.
1: Yes, uh, you know, pictures, you know, don't tell the whole story. And uh, you know, so many times. For instance, just yesterday, I was out with a couple um, looking at a new home. They had a new child, and they need an extra bedroom, so they're starting to shop for a bigger home. And uh, it looked like a great home. They went outside, and the husband said to me, "Boy, this yard sure doesn't look as big as it does in the pictures." And so you, you do hear those things quite a bit, and sometimes there are wide-angle, fish-angle lenses that give you, a, you know, a, a distorted sense of size. or uh, you know, Pictures don't necessarily tell the whole story, but one thing that I make sure whenever I take a listing is that we do really good, high-quality photos, and we do the Matterport 3D tours as well, and we get the floor plans. So, when someone takes a look at one of my listings, they go online or they go to my website, they can really get a feel for how big the rooms are, how things are laid out, and they can even walk through it you know virtually and, and look at every aspect of the home so that does you know help especially uh, you know in a, in a time when people don 't unnecessarily want to go into a house if they 're not sure yet it gives them that comfort they can walk through it virtually first, and that helps but you 're right that 's one of the big complaints of the real estate business. Uh, or sometimes the pictures are just poor quality, and you can't really tell what's there. So, my theory is, and I tell this to all my sellers, you know, most of the action in, in real estate comes from the MLS and all the public arms of the MLS, the Realtor.ca websites, and all these other sites, and it's a very visual medium. So. I think it's very important when you hit MLS to have good photos that highlight the strengths. So you want a good description of your property that gets people excited. No property is right for everyone, but if you lead with the strengths that you have and you highlight those in the photos and you give people a good opportunity to walk through them, experience them for yourself, I think that's one of the key ingredients to a winning listing is to to show people what you have.
0: Well, you've got an awesome website, and they're crystal clear, johnnysmartpoint.com johnnysmartpoint.com John Carlson of 2% Realty John's direct number 604-612-0080 Well, you know, I tell all my fiancés the same thing, uh, John, when I send them pictures of myself. Don't pay too much attention to the pictures. It adds five pounds. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I like the fact that we can virtually tour that that helps. Uh, Google Maps gives us a an overview uh, sometimes of the area around us. Uh, one of the things that I think people want to really know when they go out and look at a home with uh, John Carlson, and and I don't know how how much of a deep dive you do into this, but I personally want to know every living molecule within about five kilometers of this property I'm looking at. I want to know who has taken out building permits. I want to know if there's going to be a a gas station, you know, plunked at the end of a at the end of my street. I want to know where there's the closest Starbucks, because real estate figures do show that if there's a Starbucks within a walking distance, within five kilometers of your house, your house value's up 8%. So, 8%? Uh, 8%, wow. yeah. yeah. I, so I, I want to know all these things. And, and as a realtor, will you do that due diligence for me, or do you have to leave it up to the homeowner to do?
1: Oh, no, absolutely. Um, that's, that is a big part of the job. Uh, if you and I were looking at homes and maybe it was our first day out and we had a list of six or eight listings that we're going to look at, I would not thoroughly vet all six or eight of those homes uh, because chances are we walk into three or four of them and you go, nope, not for me, and we're out in five minutes. So, um, you know, I come armed with, you know, the the accumulated knowledge that I have from my years of experience, whatever that may be. Uh, But it's at the time when if you said, hey, you know, John, this one really seems like it might be it. We're we're really interested in that. Well, at that time, you know, of course, I've already given you what I have, but I do an additional due diligence. Uh, sometimes it's walking in, or more often now, calling into City Hall to find out, you know, if there's anything pending in that area, or checking out official community maps, uh, you know, walk scores and all that stuff. So I do think um, that home buyers depend to some degree on their agent to have a knowledge of the area and to be able to maybe point out the good or bad or the ugly, and at least give arm. Potential buyers with all the information they might need to to make a good decision that they'll be
0: happy with and I guess once you've made that decision you would never ever ever uh, purchase a home without a home inspection
1: I wouldn't say never, but you know as professionals for instance, I am supposed to every time recommend to someone that they get a house inspection um, There are times when people may not get a home inspection. Um, if you recall back in the days when things were really hot and heavy and there was no time if you'd want an inspection well the seller just tosses you out the door and says I've got four other offers that don't have inspections. Those were crazy kind of unusual times. In in a market more like this uh, the vast majority of the time you do want to to do an inspection but I have seen for instance I was um, involved in a, a listing just this week where we had uh, multiple offers, four offers on a townhouse in Maple Ridge and we had, uh, of those four offers, there were a couple that were very good, and uh, and one of them, the agent said, hey, my buyers, they've read the strata documents, and we've walked through it, and we're going to take the inspection off the table. Well, that was a big part of the deciding factor that got them the uh, the offer accepted, and it's not that my sellers were trying to hide anything, it's just that's one, uh, one degree less of uncertainty of things that could go wrong or might go wrong. So... Uh, you know, again, professionals are supposed to always recommend that people get an inspection on a home because our job is to help protect them. But, you know, I'm an advisor and sometimes I'll give advice to a buyer and they'll say, hey, John, even if there's problems with this house or this property, you know, I'm ready to go forward. And at that time, you know, as long as the buyer, the client understands the potential risks and the rewards, my job is to execute uh, the wishes of my client and help them get that property. But, You're pretty much right. You should always get an inspection if you can.
0: And some of the things that we might not think of, for example, in a home inspection is you better figure out real quick if there's an oil tank submerged. Uh, I happened to look at a home with a buying agent a number of years ago, and he looked at the house from the street, and he said, you notice that little indentation in the front lawn? I said, well, no, not till you pointed it out. He said there's an oil tank in there. That scuttled the deal right there. It's $30,000, 40000 uh, to reclaim that property after an oil tank has been renewed. Scuttled the deal right away. I would never have noticed without that eagle eye. So I'm going to give you a little uh, ophthalmology test uh, when we come back, John Carlson, see how your eyes are on some of the tips for home buying and selling. John Carlson, 2% Realty. Joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer here at CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. John's website, johnnysmartpoint.com. Johnny SmartPoint.com. John's direct number 604 612 John's direct number 604 612 I was uh, attempting to relate a personal story. I was looking at a home in North Vancouver with a buying agent a number of years ago. And thanks to the good eyes on this real estate agent, he said, you notice that indentation in the front lawn? I said, no. He said, there's an oil tank under there, and sure enough, there was. Uh, how are your eyes, John? Are you pretty good at that kind of thing?
1: Well, you should be if you're in my business, yes. And it's not just what you see with your eyes, but also maybe what you can, um, your intuition may tell you. Whenever uh, I'm working with a buyer and we're looking at homes older than, say, depending on the area, we're in 1960s definitely homes from the 40s, 50s, and maybe up to the 60s, you want to consider that that home may at one time have had oil heat. And as a lot of listeners probably know, underground oil tanks uh, may become environmental concerns. They may become big liabilities. Uh, They may become very costly problems. And so, um, you know, working as a buyer's agent, you want to be watching out for that. As a listing agent, you want to be watching out for that. If I'm taking a listing of an older home that may or may not have had an oil tank in the ground. I'm well aware that the buyers and the buyers agents that are going to come forward and write offers are probably going to be considering this as well. So it's good to get ahead of that problem or that potential problem by uh, having a company come out and scan the property and for the for the presence of a tank. And if you have had a professional company come out and they've scanned and looked everywhere and they've got a report written report saying, hey, we looked and we didn't find any evidence of a, of a tank there. You as a seller have, first of all, avoided a potential pitfall that could have your deal collapse, uh, and you've headed off that problem, but you've also absolved yourself the best you can for any future liability. If I were a seller and I sold a home that had an oil tank, and maybe I've been in my house for 20 or 30 years, I didn't know, the next buyers find it 10 years later... Those buyers can come after me and potentially even previous owners for damages. So you really want to make sure part of being a good agent and writing contracts is to eliminate or limit your client's uh, exposure to liability. And one of the biggest potential, uh, potentially anyway, uh, liabilities out there is getting involved with a leaking tank that's caused an environmental hazard. So you want to look with your eyes and see if there's any sign. But more importantly than that, you may want to suggest to certain properties, the owners of certain properties, that we have a professional come and take a look and give us a yes or no with what they find and have a, a written piece of paper showing that, hey, we've done our due diligence and we don't see any tank here. That way, when an offer comes or if you're working as the buyer's agent, you're protected and you're more comfortable and you're likely to probably, you know, even if it's a multiple offer situation, maybe pay a little bit more because you have the comfort, but more importantly, keeping your clients safe is a big part of this job.
0: Well, it's all about full transparency. That saves a lot of problems down the road, as John pointed out. If you sell a home and uh, either you knowingly or unknowingly sell it with an oil tank, the liability issue will basically uh, snowball on you. Everybody's going to sue everybody. Uh, You know, litigation will throw out that wide net. Even the municipality will get in on it and try and claim some money. So it's something you really want to take care of. And that brings me to another point, John. You know, um, when we talk about home inspections, I've always wondered why home inspectors do not want the potential buyer who has hired the home inspector to go through the home together, but rather, you know, go to the mall, have a coffee, come back in four hours, I'll have a report for you. I want to be beside that home inspector going through that house myself. Why is it they don't care to have you along?
1: Well, that's a good question, and it depends on the inspector. And again, let's back up and remember that the whole process, if you are my client and you're buying a home, this process centers around you and your needs and your wants and your comfort levels. if that were a case and we were talking, you might say, hey, John, you know, do you know any good inspectors? Well, first of all, just to back up, I have to be cautious in recommending inspectors because that's a potential conflict of interest. If I was an unethical person, I could just say, hey, talk to Joe. Joe says yes to everything, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I'm cautious that way, but I do know a number of inspectors, and I'll often give a list of, of good inspectors to my clients. And if you are the kind of um, buyer that says, hey, John, I want to make sure that I'm there for the whole process, That's fine. We'll find an inspector that's comfortable with that. We'll have to clear it with the sellers and, you know, access and all that sort of thing. But that's not entirely unusual. What's a little more common is uh, on an average house inspection, let's say it might take three hours. What's a little more common is, is, you know, the inspection might start at nine o'clock and the inspector says, hey, John, bring your client, you know, the buyer around 11, 30 or 12, just when I'm wrapping up. And then we'll take, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes or whatever it might take and we'll walk through after the inspection's already kind of been done uh, and walk through and show the potential buyer any issues or, um, you know, pictures of the attic and if there's any mold or, you know, if they find any water damage or and we'll just walk through step by step by step and as well, acquaint the potential buyer with, you know, where the water shutoffs are and where the power is and all these sorts of things. So I think the most common Uh, scenario, from my experience anyways, is where an inspector is kind of left alone for a couple hours to do his job. And then the buyer and the buyer's agent show up and they go through the report with the inspector. And that's a good way for everybody to kind of... um, Kind of make it work, but I do have clients that say, "Hey, I want to be there the whole time." I know some inspectors that absolutely love that because they really enjoy showing every aspect and uh, of a home and their knowledge to to a buyer. It just depends on the situation. So nothing completely unusual about being there the whole time, Um, but most buyers do want to be on site at least for part of it to be point you know to be there to have things pointed out to them. And I think that's what I would expect
0: as a buyer. Well, I don't think anybody wants to be a Batinsky, but you know when you're looking at a huge investment of your money, you want to be up to speed on what's going on with this home inspector, I'm, I would be comfortable with a review, a half-hour review, going through some of the trouble spots after the home inspection is done. John Carlson, 2% Realty, our guest on this edition of Vancouver Consumer. At CKNW, I'm Manny Bazunas. johnnysmartpoint.com. johnnysmartpoint.com is John Carlson's website. Direct line phone number six one two zero zero Eight zero six one two zero zero eight zero. I want to focus a little bit, John, on two percent. two percent is the commission. And you recently, you mentioned in the first segment, uh, took over showing a, a townhouse. I believe it was in Maple Ridge, four offers. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that because I think that goes to the commission structure and the difference you can make.
1: Well, yes, and and there are no fixed commission rates out there. The most common commission structure um, it was would be seven percent of the first hundred thousand dollars of the sale price, and two and a half percent of the balance, and that's the one you see in the majority of of offices out there. Uh, But you know, my commission structure at two percent straight across the board, one percent for the listing end, and one percent offered to the buyer's agent, generally will save some people some money, and. um, uh, in particular, we were talking about this before the, the program, um, the townhouse in Maple Ridge that we had multiple offers on just the other night. Now, it's not sold for him yet. Within a couple of days, we'll probably get that notification. But it's interesting the way I came across that. I got a call from an agent I know quite well, a very good agent, who, uh, who basically said, Hey, John, I've got some long-term friends, clients I've worked with. They're working with me to buy a house. But, you know, the finances are pretty tight. And uh, they wanted to work with, you know, they were asking me about maybe working with what you might call a discount broker. Is there? And uh, and apparently the agent said to them, if you do that, you, you know, you really want to work with John because he does the whole deal. And so these people called me, and that's how I that's how I got the job. If we're talking in, you know, a townhouse in the mid 500 sale price at seven and two and a half, they're looking at about an eighteen thousand dollar commission. Where if you're in the mid fives at two percent, it's eleven thousand. So. You know, sometimes that can make the difference between a young family, that extra $7,000 or so, depending on your price range, uh, you know, um, being able to close and have the completion costs done or squeezing into that house that they're really, you know, that they're really trying to get. Because when you sell and you're buying again, every dollar matters. Because uh, let's face it, it's not cheap to buy your next property and then there's transfer taxes and all these things. So one of the things that I do uh, well, uh, one of the things i 've specialized in, and that 's why i 've uh, I use the smart point brand is uh, you know I, I I generally save people money compared to the majority of my competition uh, without cutting any costs or cutting corners I should say, and uh, you know still providing a level of experience that is you know at least the equal to the majority of agents, if not you know a little more experience than most agents out there. so uh, I feel good about it. my clients are generally pretty happy, and that 's that's why you tend to hear from them time to time on this program.
0: Well, I've always believed a dollar in my pocket is better than a dollar in anybody else's pocket. And when you can provide this particular... A group a $7,000 savings in commission, that, that is pretty darn good. And I should point out, John, I think you've done a great job on your website, johnnysmartpoint.com. When you take a look at some of the comparisons in terms of prices, so if you go to a million and then 500,000 and so on and so forth, you compare the regular commissions with your commissions. there. There are some substantial savings in commission, and of course that brings back the age-old question: Well, how can you work for less money and still provide the same service? But I think we've talked about that before, and it's uh, that's taken care of.
1: Yeah, and again, there are no regular commission rates, but or or standards. Uh, I want to be careful to, to make sure everybody knows that there's no set rates. But you know, the most common rates generally are are more than what I'm what I'm charging, and I base my savings based on that. Now I'd, I'd be cautious and, and of course, let people know that, you know, if I was going, if I needed a lawyer or a a surgeon or a dentist, I I would probably not, or a realtor, I would probably not choose uh, the professional I'm working with based on price alone. I think that could be, you know, potentially uh, risky. Uh, But again, the smart point to me goes, uh, is based on the fact that I charge less than the majority of agents and I get the results. uh, I sell more property than the majority of agents. So I To me, that's the smart point. You can always get somebody a little bit cheaper or they're even for sale by owner sites where you don't really pay anything except for a sign and a link to some advertising service. And if people like that, then they can choose that. I like uh, open competition and, and choice for consumers. Uh, but I really think the smart point is to uh, have an experienced agent with um, a good track record of success who charges rates that you can, you know, be comfortable with, and and that's really the niche that I occupy.
0: JohnnySmartPoint.com, JohnnySmartPoint.com, John Carlson of Two Percent Realty. Well, let's talk about Smart Point, John, because. One of the great tips that uh, I know you offer and we do here on Vancouver Consumer whenever you are our guest is uh, establishing um, price ranges. So if I want to sell my house with uh, John Carlson, you've got to establish a price range that I'm comfortable with. If I'm buying a house with John Carlson as my wing person, I also want to establish a price range. So how do we get those two things in sync?
1: Well, when it comes to listing a property like any other good agent out there. People ask me for my opinion of value, which is a market evaluation. Um, my thoughts are, it doesn't matter what I say a property is worth or some other agent at another company says a certain property is worth. Uh, it doesn't matter what sign is on the front yard. It could be you know, blue and red or green and white. It, it, buyers don't care about any of that. Buyers are comparison shoppers. And a seller can decide whether or not to sell a property at market value, but the buyers are really the ones that will determine market value based on how much they feel a property is worth and how far they're willing to go in terms of offering a price. So when it comes to a listing, my job is to interpret the market uh, in, in their particular segment, in their particular area for a particular seller and to give my opinions about you know a range that would probably be in what I call the success zone. You can overprice a property and it never sells because you're, you're competing against properties that are maybe bigger, better, and greater. So you want to make sure that you don't overprice a property so that people looking at other properties in your price range in your area are, are seeing yours and saying, hey, this one doesn't measure up. Of course, you don't want to underprice a property unless it's by design with the intent of trying to push things up. So um, I can give my opinions, but I admit that, you know, to, to all my clients, I'm not the market. I don't decide. Here is my recommendation. Based on your particular needs and the place you are at this time, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to try this strategy? Do you want to try that strategy? Uh, So, you know, pricing a listing is a big part of the success. The starting point of any negotiation is key. And when you're selling, that's the list price. When you're buying, I do an evaluation for clients before we write an offer and I give my opinions of value. Um, And I give my opinions of, you know, in terms of how they might want to approach things and how they might tie the sale to the purchase. Uh, But in the end, I'm nothing more than an advisor. And I follow the directions of my clients and uh, try to give them good advice so they can be successful.
0: An advisor, a real estate expert who has transacted thousands of um, real estate deals on behalf of happy buyers and sellers over the last two decades. John Carlson of 2% Realty. JohnnySmartPoint.com. JohnnySmartPoint.com. John's direct number 604-612-0080. 612 Zero. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Time now for Ask Andrew. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer, Vancouver Consumer. Are you into uh, naming structures, Andrew?
2: I mean, maybe as a kid, I would have tried to come up with funny names for things. I still am not sure why uh, Vancouver International Airport is just called that and why we don't have it named after somebody or uh, you know whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm fine with with I think it's a it's a neat little, you know, moniker that comes from the airport code, but surely there's something else, but we're not here to complain about the airports nomenclature. Uh, The Broadway subway, however, Uh, It finally has its station names. Um, It's the five point seven kilometer expansion of the millennium line uh, that'll essentially go from VCC Clark uh, down the Broadway corridor to Arbutus in Vancouver Uh, total trip time when it's done will be about eleven minutes from VCC Clark to Arbutus, uh, which is not too spiffy, considering it can take, you know, quadruple that uh, on the bus or in a car right now, so happily that's going to be running by twenty twenty five. But uh, this week uh, they announced the station names and you know, for some people they might think this is the most incredibly boring thing they've ever heard. But for somebody like me, this is the best thing they've ever heard Uh, because I get to complain about it. So (laughs) the first station that will be right after VCC Clark will be and this is the longest station name. By the way, this will be the longest station name Great Northern Way Emily Carr. Oh gosh, uh, great northern way because it's on great northern way, and it's also right next to the brand new Emily Carr uh, school campus uh, along the false Creek Flats, which is a gorgeous campus. If you're not in the area, it's worth just going down and staring at it. Uh, the next station is going to be uh, near the intersection of Maine and Broadway. Uh, that'll be Mount Pleasant. Yeah, simple enough. I'm fine with that. That's yeah. you know, people Know where that is, and that's one of TransLink's key naming principles. They call them. They want names to be self locating. You know, you don't have to think about where this is in order for you to know Mount Pleasant is where Mount Pleasant is. Uh, next one, we'll share the next station down the line at Canby will just also be Broadway City Hall, same as the Canada Line station. Uh, the entrance to this station will actually be the Canada Line station entrance. Uh, there is a there's a wall inside the station that they've already planned. They're going to knock down and connect. Uh, to the future extension. So all of the entrances and, end, uh, and exits to that station will be uh, from that n- uh, southeast corner of that intersection, and that'll also be Broadway City Hall, just in the same way that Waterfront Station is the same for both lines that go through it. Uh, the next station, which will serve the hospital, uh, is Oak VGH. Yeah. Yeah,
0: nice yeah both, and those make sense. Uh, start and finish start and finish exactly
2: oak vgh nice and uh, straightforward that'll be right in front of the hospital a couple blocks uh, just before oak street Uh, moving on to my least favorite station name of these (laughs) is at broadway and granville south granville oh boy i don't like that because that is the northern end of granville street and i understand that that area is called south granville but i think that that's also really bad because isn't south granville at granville and 70th
0: yeah, at the bottom a, of Vancouver? Yeah, that, that's what I would suggest it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's...
2: But no, it, that's South Granville, which makes me think, okay, so then what is South-South Granville? And it's Marple, but I don't know. The, the North-South thing annoys me a little bit. And finally, there's Arbutus. Okay. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Just Arbutus. <laughs> Sometimes simple is better. You know, compare yeah. saying Great Northern Way, Emily Carr, to Arbutus.
0: Well, I think you should be lodging an official complaint to... Uh, with the powers that be, I, that, those are good points, like start and finish, and don't make it too complicated, uh, north, south, east, and west, uh, you know, because there are a lot of people that simply are not all that directional, I being one of them. So make it as simple as possible, start, finish in the, in the name, and, and don't confuse anybody. So as our official observer here, Andrew, I will, you know, whip off a letter.
1: I'll have to do that.
0: <laughs> okay. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer, Vancouver Consumer, here at CKNW. Ask Andrew. I'm Manny Bazunas. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Back in a moment. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.